Hi, everyone. Welcome to Face to Face, a UC Davis podcast featuring students, staff, and faculty innovators. I'm your host, Chancellor Gary May. Stay tuned for my next guest. Hi, my name is Denise Martinez, and I'm a PhD candidate in ecology studying indigenous environmental justice and policy as it relates to indigenous forest and fire stewardship. My dissertation aims to understand best practices in forest policy and collaboration by engaging the experiences of cultural fire practitioners and their collaborators throughout the state. I also work with my advisor and research group to co-create the Keepers of the Flame effort on campus. Keepers of the Flame is a class and community project that helps UC Davis students and faculty connect to cultural fire practitioners throughout the state. As a part of this effort, we also work with practitioners Diana Almendares and Ron Good to do cultural burning demonstrations that support cultural revitalization in their communities. So Denise, welcome to Face to Face. Thank you for you having doing? me. Well, thanks I'm for good. doing it. Yeah, I'm of excited, excited about this. Um, so you've been at UC Davis for a while now. You got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and now you're getting your PhD. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, tell us about that experience. Tell us about what you chose to study uh, at all those levels and what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So when I started, I actually thought I wanted to be a medical doctor. I think I, you know, came in with this idea of this love of biology, and um, I think I, I just thought, you know, the first thing I can think of was medical doctor. That's what I had contact with, but. As I went through my program, I felt a little bit disconnected from the science classes, mostly just because I was missing that cultural piece. And so one of my professors was really kind in connecting me with one of his grad students that worked with the Karuk tribe. And so I spent a summer research um, experience out there with her um, and the Karuk tribe doing food sovereignty uh, and, I guess, cultural revitalization work, um, specifically looking at how cultural plants were doing in the forest. And so I spent eight hours a day hiking up and down the Klamath Mountains um, and just, you know, checking how the plants were, counting them, um, seeing what prescriptions the cultural practitioners we were working with would say for this particular piece of forest. And I think it was the first time that I experienced this kind of ecological and cultural mashup um, that was so important for me and seeing myself in this work. And it also was just this wonderful experience of seeing a forest as more than a forest, but really someone's home. And so that was just a really transformative summer for me. Um, I think I always encourage undergrads to participate in research because it really changes just the whole way that you see your studies. And so I came back to UC Davis just really um, excited about all those things and ready to continue my studies. And so when I started to apply to grad schools, the Kaduk tribe supported me a lot in that. They, um, their director, or I don't I think at the time she was maybe their head of their Pikyav Cultural Center. They actually wrote me a letter of recommendation. And so it was just wow. this experience of like getting to have that community support, um, you know, that was Lisa Hillman, so shout out to her. Um, and just having mentors that were, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not Kaduk, but having indigenous mentors was super important to me. And as I, you know, went through my, the beginning of my grad school experience, it was like the first couple years, I was having that angsty kind of, what am I going to do here? What is my project going to be? And I started just 
engaging, um, you know, different communities. So I had worked with the Kadu community. I started working more with the attending and gathering garden elders, um, Diane Almendiras, and um, started engaging also wrong good and learning so much in my experiences working with them and seeing them burn. And it, I realized that a lot of times they collaborated with state and federal agencies, but you know, sometimes that works really well for communities and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I think that there's a lot to learn from how people engage and how people are in relationship and also the kinds of, um, I guess, uh, strategic things that they do in collaborations to make sure that they're working. And so I decided to do my dissertation on that. But in all of that exploring and talking with communities and also working with my advisor, we also started to kind of bring together this group called Keepers of the Flame. And so you heard about that a little in the right. video. We're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. So Indigenous uh, Environmental Justice and Policy, is that something that was created at UC Davis or is it a broad discipline that uh, exists elsewhere or tell people about that yeah I mean I think it's a it's a getting to be a broader discipline I don't know that it was created at UC Davis but there's a lot of scholars here because mm -hmm. um, Beth Rose Middleton is one of the great scholars in that area um, you know Kyle White uh, many others and I think that that discipline is kind of looking at environmental justice and seeing where Indigenous people have participated in that movement because they have in like a traditional environmental justice movement, Indigenous people have been present from the beginning. But then there's also these new considerations to think about it um, from an Indigenous point of view. So when we think about Indigenous people, we also think about settler colonialism, we think about decolonization, we think about how a lot of the violence that happened to Native people happened directly through land. And so, you know, settlers at times would destroy um, native foods and they would destroy and separate people from their homelands. And that was a part of that experience. And so with indigenous environmental justice, we dive a bit more into that. And then when we think about policy, we think about it from, you know, this perspective of native people are their own governments and tribal sovereignty and, um, you know, thinking about it that way is a little bit different too than than environmental justice communities that might not be tribes. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. it's more gives it a more focused uh, look uh, on environmental justice. Yeah. So Keepers of the Flame, that sounds like a really neat community-based learning approach, right? Um, yeah. So tell us about that collaboration, how it started, what you're doing now, and, and where it's going. Yeah. So Keepers of the Flame started when um, a colleague of mine, Chris Adlam, who's now graduated, he's at OSU, and um, our advisor, Beth Rose, and another grad student, currently Melinda Adams, we all kind of were seeing these kind of place-based or hands-on learning um, approaches within ecology and environmental science where, you know, folks were taking their students out into the field. And we thought, well, how cool would that be with, you know, this cultural element? Again, like trying to bring this ecology and the cultural together. And, um, we're really lucky that our advisor has all of these great connections over decades with um, indigenous communities throughout the state. And so we talked to some of our partners about their interest in getting some fire on the ground. Um, and 
simultaneously, we started creating a class where we bring students to this class and they hear from cultural fire practitioners every week. And so we would bring people down to Davis or they would join via Zoom before Zoom was popular. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we would bring them down and and we would hear from these folks every week. And then on the weekends, we go out um, with community partners and we burn with them on the weekends. we burn on private land, so we have a lot of leeway in terms of how we can conduct that burn, who can be on that burn. And so we have a lot of intergenerational learning. We have kids on the burn. Um, we have elders leading. And it's really been this kind of massive collaboration because if you can imagine, that's a lot of already moving parts. Yeah. The class, the workshop, the community partnerships. There's also a research piece. And so what we've kind of figured out is that working as a team is the best way to do that. And I've been really lucky to get to work with all of those folks and, and new grad students joining and um, and now also getting to work with the Institute for the Environment um, and their staff. And, you know, it's scaling up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so now, you know, we're having more burns. Um, we're having... Um, more students. Some of our workshops, you know, and this is, you know, a lot to say with our community partners, there'll be over 100 people. Wow. And so it's agency folks, it's policymakers, it's students from different universities, um, and it's our students. And so it's it's a lot of people, and um, there's a lot of logistics to that. And so it's getting to the point where, like, we really needed staff support. And so the Institute for the Environment's been really helpful with that this year. And, um, I think that it's just overall it's growing. And sounds like it has multiple benefits for the practitioners and the students and everyone involved. So sounds like it's really, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, you know, students actually get to practice and do hands-on burns, um, which is very different. None of them have done that before usually. And we've had students that have experienced a lot of trauma with fire. They may have lost a home. They may have experienced some sort of trauma with wildfire. And so coming to this place where people are aware of that and are able to kind of heal their relationship with fire and feel empowered and um, held through, you know, handling fire in a different way. And I mean, for practitioners, there's a lot of, you know, education that goes on. We get to uplift their work. Um, We get to, you know, fund part of the workshops, which is really important. And overall, I think, also just having hands on the land you know these are places that are really important to them and having people come and be able to help them steward it is really important that's great this is really a f- interesting fascinating program and yeah. i can see you're passionate about it i am and w- i want to talk about <laughs> something else though okay. you recently received the president's award for outstanding leadership from the university of california office of the president and you know how i know that because i was there <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, congratulations. That's Thank a you big so honor. It's really huge. And by the way, for the audience, that's a system-wide award. It's not a UC Davis award. So all the students throughout the entire UC system, Denise was deserving of the award this year. Oh, thank you. Um, so it, this award acknowledges your role in uh, the leadership of U- at UC Davis uh, in the Institute of the Environment. Um, but just tell us about uh, the work uh, there and, and how uh, you're developing the Environmental and Climate Justice Hub. Yeah, so this is something that has been kind of a dream with uh, my mentor, again, Beth Rose Middleton. Um, You know, I've been so lucky to have a mentor like her that not only supports my dreams, but also dreams with me and makes things possible with me. And so this is an idea we've had for a while. We've seen that there's a lot of environmental justice work and climate justice work that's happening 
in California on campus. And we've really seen this necessity to, to bring folks together, to coordinate folks. I'm, I'm a big process person, so I think a lot about how do we make this work happen smoothly? How do we work together? Um, we're also, I think, with Keepers of the Flame and other efforts have been kind of a hub for indigenous environmental justice work at the UC. And so we see a lot of projects that could happen. And so this is our, I guess, effort to scale up is to work with the Institute for the Environment and build out this hub um, so that we can do more of this work That's, throughout uh, California. And it sounds like necessary work. I, I noticed that Beth Rose Middleton gets a lot of shout outs from you. <laughs> she does. We, we should maybe get her on the show. It's, uh, yes. Uh, sounds yeah, like uh, it would be, be a worthwhile thing to do. Um, so climate crisis, environmental crisis, uh, these are the biggest challenges facing the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you maintain hope for the future? Uh, and how do you, what do you tell others about climate change and what the prospects for uh, alleviating climate change are? Yeah. I mean, I think... Uh, I guess I'll start by saying that I grew up in a community that was very impacted by fire. And growing up, I was afraid of fire. I, I saw fire as kind of this almost inevitable thing. And I think it was through the process of working with the Kaduk tribe and then with Keepers of the Flame and others that I realized that I could do something about it. Um, and I also started to really delve into the history of my own community. So I'm a descendant of Tutunaku people. I'm also Mexican. These are communities that have experienced, um, you know, genocide, have experienced these really big apocalyptic changes to their culture, to their communities, to their environment. And there are a lot of lessons there of how we get through that, of how we come together, of how we rebuild. And... Um, I also feel a responsibility. My ancestors got us this far, um, and I can't just like give up here. So uh, we do something on this show that's kind of unique. We call it hot seat. <laughs> it's not that unique. Uh, <laughs> but what we do is uh, I ask you some rapid fire questions, and we're looking for just one word, one sentence sort of answers. Ooh, okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm a pretty wordy person, so we'll see All how right. it goes. Okay. <laughs> We won't be grading this, so. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, favorite place on campus? Uh, the reading room in the library. Okay. Boba, coffee, or tea? Boba. Boba. Uh, your biggest inspiration? Uh, Dr. Beth Rose Middleton. See, there we go again. <laughs> <laughs> she should come on. You should definitely know her. I do know Beth Rose. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, your favorite vacation spot? Ooh, um, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, uh, this is one of my favorite questions for everybody. Your, uh, what artist or song is at the top of your playlist right now? Ooh, um, I've been listening to the new Taylor Swift al- album. The Taylor Midnight's Swift. Album. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, now we turn it around uh, and give you a chance to ask me a couple of questions, if you like. So what would you like to know about me? Yeah, so I'm actually wondering what gives you hope in difficult times when you have to make difficult decisions. That's a great question. And, and uh, you know, I try to keep some perspective. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is Martin Luther King's, you know, the arc of the moral universe is long but bends towards justice. So that keeps me optimistic even when things don't look like they're going the right way, whether it's external 
cultural, political things or what's happening on campus or in my personal life, I tend to try to be optimistic that things are going the right way, even though it may not look like it at the time. Hmm. Uh, anything else you want to ask? Yeah. So I'm nearing the end of my program. Yeah. And I'm like kind of in the writing phase, and but I'm also simultaneously thinking about the future. So what advice do you have for someone in my position? Well, first, write something every day. Otherwise, you'll never finish. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's just a paragraph, write something every day. But in terms of the longer term, so you have to find what you're passionate about and, and pursue it. So, you know, um, uh, I will express that we really need uh, more people of color in academia. So I hope that's something you're considering uh, with the PhD. Uh, and uh, we'll support that decision as, as best we can if, if, if you need it. Um, but think about what you most want to accomplish, whether it's immediately or longer term, and then just draw a straight line from where you are now to there and, mm-hmm. and try, to, try to get it done. Uh, there will be some bumps and you know, things along the way, but uh, just try to stay focused and, and, and uh, I think that works best. Thank you. Thank you for the advice. Um, Thank you again, Denise, for joining us today. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I learned a lot. Uh, I always like to learn when I'm having these these (laughs) interviews. Thanks to everyone for listening. Tune in next time on Face to Face. Go Ags!